0: You are listening to the Rising Phoenix Podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health.
1: Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah.
0: Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more.
1: Hey everybody, this is Leslie and I am here with my special guest co-host, McKenna.
0: I'm just here trying to fill Lindsay's big shoes, I'm honored <laughs> to be here, so thanks for having me.
1: And today we are lucky to have Dr. Elise Jones with us.
2: Thanks so much, I'm glad to be here.
1: Um, and I'm really excited because a lot of what's drawn you here to share is basically telling us all what to expect with our appointments, right? Like. Psychologist appointments. Um, And you work at the the Felicity Women's Center. Is that right?
2: Yeah, Felicity Women's Center.
1: Okay. And we just want to, I'm grateful because I feel like, and we were talking about this before we started recording, um, how we're scared to go to the psychiatrist because it's like a big deal, you know, and what to expect and and what do they do and do I have to take medication and all the things. So um, I'm going to just go ahead and turn it over to you and have you just go with it.
2: Yeah, so my name's Dr. Lise Jones. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, so I can prescribe medications, do therapy, order labs. Um, I got interested in women's mental health. I've obviously had a lot of friends who had babies, and a lot of them had postpartum depression and anxiety, and I didn't learn about it until a lot later. Um, So while I was getting my doctorate in nursing at the University of Utah, I was able to I'm trying to think of the right word. <laughs> Co-facilitate a group on postpartum depression and anxiety. It was a telehealth group through the College of Nursing. And I was seeing the women and they didn't have a lot of resources. These were people in rural Utah who were um, like calling into our group to get some resources and support from other people and also working inpatient um, at a hospital. We were seeing a lot of people with these same issues, and I just noticed a gap in care. Um, So I went to a conference and learned about the idea of like a fellowship or residency after you complete your nurse practitioner. And so I was looking into different fellowships, and I found one in women's mental health in Ohio. So I applied. It was at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio. I applied, went out and interviewed, and got accepted. So I did a one-year fellowship in women's mental health. I was able to see people in the community, in their OBGYN offices, in low-income clinics, inpatient if their, say their membrane had ruptured and they were inpatient in the hospital for a few weeks before delivery. I was able to meet with them in the hospital, um, the NICU moms, and it was just such an amazing experience to work with so many different women with all different sorts of backgrounds, but all having issues around Pregnancy, postpartum. I also do some work around perimenopause. So It's a wonderful experience. That's amazing. And so How did you get to where you're at right now? So I finished the fellowship and I decided to come back in Utah because that's where I had noticed the big gap and I Decided to start my own clinic because I didn't see anyone doing exactly what I wanted to be doing Um, So some ways that I do it differently Um, I do 90-minute intake appointments with all of my patients, and there's about an hour of pre-work before, Um, so a lot of scales. It gives the patients an opportunity, so I just, like, email them a link to the paperwork so they can fill out all the paperwork from home, make sure they write down everything that they're wanting to tell me, all of their questions, concerns, what their goals are, so that when they come in, I already know all of that information, and we can talk more about their story, what they're hoping to get, rule out any other things that I'm worried about um and then really talk about diagnosis and treatment planning awesome I love that so
1: what does what does it look like for me if I you know generally speaking I I fill out that paperwork and I show up what do we do You show up, you get into my
2: (laughs) waiting room, check in on the iPad, I'll come out and meet you. I usually take people's vitals because I can prescribe medication, so it's just nice to have an idea of vital signs in case we do decide that medication is a good route. And then we just get right into um, going over your paperwork, asking you about why you're there, what we can help you with, and then asking detailed questions to understand more about the current situation. Awesome what do you feel
0: is the most common woman coming to your clinic like what what do you see the most
2: i feel like the most common woman is scheduled her husband or partner schedules her appointment for her because they've noticed an issue and often it's really hard for the women to seek help so either they'll ask their husband or partner to help them schedule an appointment or their husband or partner will take it upon themselves. So usually I haven't talked to them at all before I meet them. I've just been talking um, to whoever scheduled the appointment. Um, so just come in, get vitals, and then just talk about whatever it is that they're wanting to address. It's so funny you say the husband schedules. it. I, My husband scheduled
0: my appointment and it almost, I mean, I shouldn't say almost, it upset me because i felt like in that moment he took away um like that he played a part and that all the blame was on me and i it took that away from me so i i unscheduled and then <laughs> <laughs> rescheduled <laughs> hey whatever it takes anyway so it's when you said that it made me think of that
1: like wait a second you know <laughs> i got this i know <laughs> um
2: And what, I mean, do people come multiple times? What does treatment with you look like? So I do a lot of one-time consultations, say if you've been on medication and you're wanting to get pregnant and you're like, should I stop it? Should I continue it? Um, So I do one-time consultations and then I continue to see people if they have continued treatment needs. Awesome. Okay. And what else? You've got this cool little booklet. I want to see what you got. So I do offer telehealth services so I can see anyone in the whole state of Utah. I also offer services in Wyoming um, so that's really nice because a lot of new moms they don't want to leave their house especially like in the winter with yes. flu season and finding childcare for your kids it's so much nicer if we can schedule an appointment during your kiddos planned nap time or so amazing yeah yeah and you can stay in your pajamas and sit in bed and talk to me and we can I love that you can pet your dog while you're talking to me so what treatment do you you have? So I offer bright light therapy in the office. That's helpful for a lot of people, especially as we're going into winter. A lot of people aren't getting enough sunlight because the sun's not around. So bright light therapy, uh, mindfulness, meditation. Um, I do brief psychotherapy. I usually refer people out if they need more in-depth psychotherapy. Um, I can prescribe medications. I do a lot of bibliotherapy, so prescribing books to read or uh podcast, TED talks to watch that I think will help them either relate to someone in the story or relate to someone in the podcast and kind of help them see a different perspective or grow their view of what's happening to them. Hmm. That's awesome. And as far as what,
1: what we, you know, you see the most as husbands that schedule the appointments, but what type of mental health, um, I don't want to say issue because that sounds wrong, but what topic do you see the most? Do you see more anxiety, more depression, more psychosis, more OCD? What do you see the most?
2: I see the most trauma and then trauma impacting them later, whether it looks like depression, anxiety, um, OCD, PTSD, a lot of birth trauma, a lot of grief from loss, whether it's miscarriage, infant death. Mm -hmm. So I think I see a whole wide variety of patients, which I love. That's awesome. And um,
1: I really think, I don't know, and maybe from your experience, you can answer this more, but I feel like any kind of trauma that you've had in your life, at least this was my experience, but any trauma I had prior to becoming a mom was like multiplied when I had my baby, like the trauma of my childbirth with him, I feel like it just like, compounded in my brain
2: does that make sense and it brings it all up to the forefront when you have kids because you're wanting to protect them from the same traumas that you experience yeah. so you're thinking about them again so yeah that's Th- true yeah. and so who do you see at your clinic mothers who do you accept at the clinic there so i mainly see women 18 to 65 awesome
1: okay and then you were saying about the menopause. Tell me about that, the kind of treatment that you do. So
2: interestingly, a lot of people who have uh, mental health issues around pregnancy and postpartum sometimes have issues creep up again around perimenopause. There's similar hormonal changes. Um, so I see a lot of people who have worsening depression or anxiety and perimenopause. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have my mom call you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can I see this? Sure. Yeah, she's got
2: this
1: little handout oh, I thing. Bit, I want to see it too. Um, and so the typical treatment with you, th- I mean, it's different than than a psychologist, right? Like than going to an actual like sit down on a couch and talk to a psychologist. This is coming to you. I've got a chemical imbalance. Something's off. Something's wrong. And you're going to walk me through what that treatment looks like. Is that kind I of... I do have a couch though. Yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there. The
0: premenstrual <laughs> dysphoric disorder. I think that this might be something that a lot of women have that don't realize that they have it. And it's so easy to say like, it's that month, which it still is, but that it might be a little bit more worse than it needs to be. Can you talk to us a little bit about
2: that? Premenstrual dysphoric disorder? Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people have a lot of worsening of symptoms, either anxiety agitation or depression um, premenstrually, so usually happens a few days before the period starts and then resolves within a few days of the period starting. It can be worsened with um, certain birth controls or different things that are going on in your life. There's a lot of different treatment options available, Um, so it's another interesting thing. They kind of all go along together, all of these mental health issues in women. And have you found that
1: medication generally is something that I know for me, like I started on medication when my son was like a year old and he's five now. I'm still on it. Like, no shame. Do you find that medication and there's some people that feel like if they go to the doctor, they have to get on medication. You know, and there's a lot of people that won't. I feel like it's helpful even just to be diagnosed, whether you want to be on medication or not. And there's so many doctors that, you know push medication and that's fine and that's they're filled and that's great but kind of can we talk about the stigma with medication
2: yes so i think medication is helpful if you're not able to use any of the other coping skills so if you're so depressed or anxious that you're not able to do meditation or uh, practice dbt skills or go to therapy then medication is a good thing um, to use so that you can feel well enough to engage in all of these other Um, activities that can help also help you with feeling better and the medications are improving all of the time so i agree um what is dbt skills uh dialectical behavioral therapy so they have a lot of skills mindfulness emotion regulation how to tolerate distress and interpersonal skills so those are areas that a lot of people have trouble with um, so they just have some specific skills you can use. So that's something that we could talk about, like one specific skill in a 25-minute follow-up appointment that you could implement into your everyday life.
1: That's awesome. And what is the most simple thing that you would say um, for women that we can be doing? Eat, you know,
2: sleep, and exercise. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I hate exercising.
0: I love to exercise. I know
1: she's like she's like Rambo over well, here. No,
0: I just that's how I fought. A lot of my mental health
1: was i would go work out because after i always felt so much better she has like a six pack she's ripped i love you i love you (laughs) um
2: what, what do you mean by exercise though like just walking just moving just doing something it depends on like if you're super pregnant or if you're recently postpartum but whatever you can be doing ideally aerobic exercise a few times a week is very helpful for most people a lot of people start having symptoms when they stop exercising during pregnancy and then they don't get back into exercising either because of pelvic floor issues or it's really hard to plan exercise when you have a new baby or you're breastfeeding so helping people get into exercise is important that's awesome or get back into it
1: I know I always feel better when I do. I do Zumba and I like it's the cheesiest thing ever but I it's cry not. like half the time at the end when when they're doing like the, the cool down. <laughs> I cry cuz I'm like why do I not do this more? This feels so good and it's 1 hour. Like it doesn't need to be anything intense. It's just dancing it's around like an idiot. But it feels but isn't so it good. So funny? Yeah. <laughs> um okay, so as far as like mindfulness. I feel like that's becoming so much more relevant right now. I feel like so Absolutely. many people are talking about it and, and I don't know, it's just, I want to say like trendy, but not trendy. I no, don't know Do You know what I mean. It's, it's catching on right because now. it yeah. matters and it's helpful. So what does mindfulness mean to you?
2: It means just being able to be at one with yourself, being able to block all of your thoughts and distractions and just focus on the present moment. Yeah. I love that being present. I feel like What's the quote about anxiety is when you're
1: in the past or the future and not in the present? In the present. Yeah. Okay, let's see. And pre I'm looking at her handout. It says preconception planning. This fascinates me because I think nobody, everyone's shocked when they have a baby, when they go through a difficult pregnancy because nobody talks about anything. Like no one told me anything that could happen. Everyone was just like, I'm so excited for you. This is so great, you know, to have kids, even before we were planning on anything. So what does preconception planning mean to you?
2: What does that look like? So preconception planning, maybe you had a mom with postpartum depression or a sister with postpartum anxiety and you're worried about it and you want to know everything that you can before it happens to you. Or maybe you already have some depression or anxiety and you want to know what we can do to help prevent it from getting any worse or keep it or maybe even improve it during pregnancy so that's usually just a one-time consultation so just come in we'll talk about where you're at and then how to keep you there or better during your pregnancy awesome and and how do you
1: feel about medication when you're pregnant that is just like a a,
2: question i actually thought of that today yeah i do prescribe medication in pregnancy there's a lot of data on some of the medications of course, we talk about the risks to the mom, the risks to the baby. There's also risks of not treating um, anxiety and depression in pregnancy. So we also tr- um, talk about those risks. And then we just kind of weigh the risks and benefits based on the mom and her specific situation. Yeah.
1: I was at a meeting with um, PSI Utah at the University of Utah Hospital, and they were saying that. They were like, "There's it's, it's worse to have no medication and to be in that state of mind than to be on medication, you know? So I feel, I feel strongly that I just don't think people know. I think people don't do it because they have no idea or when they're nursing, things like that.
2: I think 10% of pregnancies are exposed to antidepressants right now. So it is pretty common actually to be on antidepressant in pregnancy. That's awesome. Okay. Let's see. And what kind of treatment do you find
1: as far as, let's see, like you were saying YouTube videos and Ted talks, which one of those is like your go-to what's your go-to ted talk
2: um dr nadine burke harris childhood how childhood adversity affects you throughout your life or something along that line she also has a book that i recommend to a lot of people called the deepest well and it's about how trauma impacts you throughout your life Ooh, the deepest well and if you get it on audible she reads the book and she's actually a pretty entertaining um, reader
1: <laughs> i'm all about who reads the book on audible Absolutely. Like I'm a snob about that.
0: I love holding the book and making notes as I go. I'm I'm, old-fashioned. I like, yeah. (laughs) I actually then journal as well (laughs) with (laughs) my book. (laughs) Soak
2: it all in.
1: Okay, so where is your treatment center? Your women's center, sorry.
2: So my office is in South Jordan, but I can offer telehealth services. Okay. Um, Okay,
1: and so for somebody out there that is scared to go to the doctor they've never gone, they don't feel right, they're listening to this podcast because they're
2: curious about what a women's center could do for them, what would you tell them right now? Bring a friend if you want. Bring your mom if you want. Bring your mother-in-law. Bring your spouse. And I don't keep um, partners in the clinic for the whole visit, but, I mean, I'm happy to have them in there for the first half hour while we're kind of talking about your story and what's going on. Um, and that's a helpful transition for a lot of people. I have chocolate. I have ginger ale. It's like that's pretty kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not alone.
1: Yeah. So I would yeah. say, I mean,
0: I going. I felt like I was okay. Something is wrong with me, and I'm like, no. This is just something I need to overcome, and I need a little extra help. And what's extra? What's better than having a little
1: extra? help and knowledge from
2: a healthcare professional. So
1: So is there anything else you want the listeners to know about or be aware of?
2: Something that I think isn't talked a lot about is DEMER, dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Um, So it happens when your milk comes down. Um, So usually when you start breastfeeding, sometimes when the baby wakes up from a nap, if your toddler is crying, anytime your milk would come down. But um, the women who have it experience this dysphoria and it usually only lasts for between 10 and 30 seconds they might feel really agitated anxious really depressed hopeless some people even get suicidal thoughts when it happens and a lot of people end up stopping breastfeeding because it's so uncomfortable and then they have a lot of guilt about stopping breastfeeding Um, So, it's just something that I think more people should be aware of. It often gets misdiagnosed with postpartum depression because they report to their healthcare provider that they're feeling depressed or anxious or awful, but people don't follow up and say, when is this happening? How long is it lasting? Because it's happening multiple times a day, but it's only lasting for 30 seconds and the rest of the day you're happy and enjoying your baby. Um, So there are some treatments available. I mean, the research is just in the early stages because we're just learning about it. Um, But there are some options available for moms.
1: That's amazing.
2: I
0: experienced that and I had no idea what it was. All I said was every time my milk came in, I feel I would just use the word gross. I feel gross. I don't feel like I this is the way I'm bonding with my kid. I felt depressed. I felt anxious it was all these emotions and it was a huge reason why I stopped breastfeeding because I don't I didn't like the way I felt and I didn't feel like I was bonding with my baby while breastfeeding it didn't I, I didn't like I didn't know that there was a name I didn't know So this okay. is so
2: insightful for me so and so it's really amazing. hard because everyone else says breastfeeding is amazing and I right? feel so wonderful right. oh my and gosh yes and calm I'm like there's nothing peaceful or
0: calm about my breastfeeding it's an event It just is like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Thank you. A lot of women are going to benefit from that. And they need to call
1: you. Yeah. If you're feeling that you're out there and you're feeling that. You're not alone. Yes. Call 801-893-9564. There's my plug. I feel like I was just doing like a law commercial. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: 801-893-9564. It's
2: true. Call it. Yeah, there we go. One call,
1: that's all. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix Podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com.
0: For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org.
1: We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.